1: today is thursday october 6th and this is Celtics speed on the clns media network the leading online provider of audio video coverage of the boston celtics i'm adam kaufman episode 481 featuring the radio voice of the celtics sean grandy is powered by betonline.ag go to betonline.ag today use the promo code clns50 for a 50 sign up bonus What's up everyone? Welcome into a new edition of Celtics Beat. Adam Kaufman and Valenti, and of course as I always tease him, the longtime radio voice and sometimes TV voice of oh, yeah, the Boston you can Celtics title John Grandy.
0: Cuz it's <laughs> going to be maybe it was a longtime radio voice but it's the very short time halftime TV voice or whatever we're calling it. So, what is the what is the thing Evan did where he crosses his fingers? Like I just oh, do different
2: oh, things with my hands it. because I'm Italian and I'm not quite sure what to do in the beginning. Of sometimes just, he hits
0: you with, with yeah. one of these. Yeah, you know, little, what? if you do like that little wave, it seems like you're waving to like a little you know, like your daughter. Yeah, of, like, I'm or just like, trying to like sometimes Evan's flashing gang signs like, at no, the like beginning that. of every show. Yabu? <laughs> the, the,
2: yeah, do the, 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 the damn I well, yeah. I used I remember.
1: Are you going to do the shack Omega at the beginning of a show?
2: Maybe. I whenever yeah. i have enough stuff to do. That's for sure. The, the bow and arrow, I, I remember it's a, collegiately, I think Jamal Murray in Kentucky started doing something yeah. like that um, because Jamal made a ton of threes back in – you know, he's making a ton of threes now, but when he was in college, it was just fun to watch as a standalone shooter. And every and every time he'd put one in, the entire bench mob of Kentucky would just be doing this the whole time. I
0: just thought that was cool. <laughs> Go crazy. Teach us how to Dougie. Go
2: go crazy. I don't know how to do that. Uh,
1: that That is that's beyond my... You current. don't have enough room to do the gritty, do you? Sean, you're in a hotel room. Can you do the gritty up yeah, there? I don't,
0: I don't... What goes on in hotel rooms and whatever, <laughs> but yeah, I don't
1: think... Uh, well, if uh, if you're watching on YouTube, we uh, you're welcome. And if you're listening to the audio version of this show, we're off to just a, a terrible start. But that's okay, because you know what's <laughs> off to a really good start? Is the Joe Missoula era, guys. The Joe Missoula era. It's only two preseason games in, but we're off to, uh, I, I like what we've seen so far. You got a 43 point blowout preseason win with 40 plus assists and incredible ball movement and like a hundred turnovers, but who cares? They still won by a ton. And then the second game that probably would have been another blowout win, except he took all the starters out when they were up 18, 20 points. And then, you know, the, the unit of guys who probably won't be around in a few days are, uh, you know, r- largely responsible responsible for letting that thing drift away and and an overtime loss, but again, preseason wins losses it doesn't matter. it's all about development and and signs and indications and what we've seen so far just we'll go kind of bit by bit as we go on in the show sean but sort of the 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 ten thousand foot view is as you sometimes refer to. Jason Tatum looks rested. Jalen Brown looks all NBA. Sam Hauser looks like a real contributor as, as part of the rotation off the bench for this team, which, you know, I think to the surprise of almost everybody compared to what, you know, the the summer chatter was around this team. Malcolm Brogdon is fitting in seamlessly. Blake Griffin hasn't appeared in the game yet, but already looks like a, you know, a real glue locker room guy uh you know grant williams has has added a a, a dribble to his bag of tricks in a contract year uh, you can go on and on boston looks ready to contend sean and i th- i think they despite obviously the drama of recent weeks and the the change at head coach and all that is going on behind the scenes they don't look like they've skipped a beat from what we last saw in the nba finals
0: no well, you covered it good night everybody that's pretty yeah much, i'll see uh, you later Preseason games. Show guys. That was it. Thanks for checking in. We'll, in we'll get into in a teams. deeper analysis to... of
1: each of these issues as we continue. Don't
0: forget but... to visit our advertisers. Uh, I thought buy your T-shirt.
1: Celtics Speed.
0: <laughs> what I thought about Sunday is that I I think it mattered to have a have a game and have a game go well because it was very odd being in the building. Uh, I think, in the two or three hours before the game on Sunday because of everything that's happened the last couple of weeks. And there was so much familiarity and so many players coming back and so many broadcasters coming back and so many fans coming back. But there something significant has happened. So I think to have a, a game go well and a blowout game and how you can beat somebody by 40 when you have 28 turnovers is insanity. I don't even know how you statistically do that, but they did. Uh, I, I think it mattered the same way. At the end of the year, in the middle of the year, who's going to care, right, that they won the first preseason game by 40? The same way nobody's going to care that Phoenix lost to the team from Australia in the first preseason game. But it's just like, <laughs> what as the Celtics needed that, that's the last thing Phoenix needed coming off a of game seven loss just from a, like, just feel good about life, let's move on standpoint. So I think that's why, that's the thing to me that mattered about Sunday. But everything you said is right, and it's just been a, that's a feel good. It's two preseason games, but all we have are two preseason games to talk about. And why wouldn't you feel good about Jalen Brown? I, I, The only thing I would feel bad about with Jalen Brown is if we see him again. I'm sure we will in Montreal, but uh, you know, to me, that's bubble wrap. Do not pass. Go. Mm-hmm. Don't collect to it. Go right to opening night and see you there because he looks great. And I think the issues that are going to, the Celtics are going to deal with here, which is obviously the lack of size, putting too much, too many minutes on Al, you know, which is a concern for me in the first half of the year and the regular season. These are, Issues, but they're not issues right now. So enjoy watching, you know, Sam Hauser show that that's not a fluke. What everybody's been talking about, his ability to shoot. By the way, nobody had heard of Duncan Robinson either. Right. Mm. And now he's oh. made two hundred threes a year. Okay. Except Richard for Williams College. But, it's it. That's all I got. Except yeah. for except for Evan and he's dabbing and he's doing <laughs> a quote cool and arrow. Because yeah, oh. I heard of Duncan Robinson, but nobody else happened yeah. Evan I will tell you no about Max Drews, day. too. It is the pejorative. And by the way, I mean, how about, you know, Max going to fit on this roster too. Yeah. Um, you know, you have, if like for this way, I'll say the one, the soundbite that I came up with last night, late in the game was if Sam Houser is going to require teams to defend him, mm. the Celtics are going to be a problem. <laughs> yeah. They're going to add as a problem for other teams because you're, if, that's adding something that you thought you were going to have with Gallinari that maybe you've had here all along. Yeah.
1: Well, and that's what, you know, we've spent, So many shows in the offseason and in, and in talking about, you know, what do they need to do? And obviously the, the excitement surrounding Danilo Gallinari. And then obviously he goes down in the feeble world cup qualifier and it's, Oh my God, how do you replace him? Because obviously the Celtics felt that there was a need there enough of a need to go out and spend the money and get the veteran and all of that. Well, if if you believed in Sam Hauser from the beginning, you don't go out and necessarily chase a Danilo Gallinari and give him the money that you did. So how do you go about replacing him? And so it was I, I feel like I've sort of spent a lot of the the, you know, summer here, summer months talking out of both sides of my mouth with with Sam Hauser in that, you know, part of me is sort of not taking him seriously as a prospect a guy who can who can truly develop and be a not neglecting his ability to shoot we saw it in Maine we saw it in in you know fleeting moments in Boston but it was you know can he be a reliable contributor can he be the microwave off the bench can he give you you know real rotation minutes and as you just said require guys to actually guard him can he matter can he be important and and the answer was always You know, probably not, which is why they're chasing X, Y, and Z, or need to pursue, you know, X, Y, and Z. And now that we've seen it for a couple games, and that I do believe it's so many others, it's not a fluke. His shooting ability is not a fluke. Well, now you start to wonder, at least a little bit, not knowing the timeline of Gallinari, obviously, if his injury, for the sake of development and having a, a younger player on this roster turn into something, if his injury was something of a, a blessing in disguise or obviously at, at worst case for Hauser, a silver lining to show, Hey, I belong and this is what I can do for you.
0: The reason you didn't believe it is because this doesn't happen in the NBA. We've heard of players from the time they were 16 years old. So you don't think of with the exception of Evan Duncan Robinson, guys can sneak through the cracks. The shooters can and be ready. And we kept here, you know, last year, late in the year, if you're around the Celtics at all, last year, And around people in the organization, it was, "Hey, Sam Hauser is going to be a part of this team next year. Sam Hauser is going to be able to play." But that's more of a, it's like a college football thing. I remember doing Boston College football back in the late '90s, and you you played Virginia Tech every year because it was a Big East team, and they were both in the same conference. And talking to the Virginia Tech people and them saying, "Hey, we got this kid here. He's not playing right now. He's going to be a redshirt next year." And I met Michael Vick, and he's going to be a Mm -hmm. game changer for. And that's something you hear these sort of mythical tales in. College football, or maybe a first year quarterback in the NFL, it's going to be something eventually because you're hearing, you know, obviously Brady didn't play, uh, you know, his first year. So, you know, hey, yeah. Evan, did you hear of, Z- did you know all about Zappi too? Did you you no, on that? I, I'm on not, Western I'm not Kentucky not. and in uh, and junior did a, college. Did a little
2: research on Bailey Zappi.
1: Hey, fourth, fourth round pick. He wasn't a complete and total I nobody. I'm
2: not that deep on Bailey Zappi.
0: How, uh, how many on this Zoom have done a football game at Western Kentucky?
1: Oh. Nah, never. Hey, no yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> never not, not ni-
0: 1994 love uh, it what is now fcs uh playoffs yeah on the uh the legendary channel 68 which is we used to have channels kids that were like way up in the you know up <laughs> in the
2: UH Dude, spin a dial back in the day yep,
0: back in the way 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 back in the last century but that's why because you don't hear about sam house and that's for the beauty of the preseason right like who's there is stuff going on. Who's going to make yeah. this roster? You know, is Noah Vaughnley going, going to be a body here? What can Blake do? I don't know about you guys. I'm, I'm struggling because every time I see Blake, and he was on the flight with us today, every time I see him, the only thing on my mind is Jamie Foxx doing Doc on
1: Jimmy yeah, t- Talking about it's Blake. Blake. <laughs>
0: it's on Blake. It's not Blake. It's not Blake. It's <laughs> not Blake it's all it's literally the only thing i look. have you and
1: brought I, that up to him yet i have
0: i haven't talked to him yet because he's i just can he was on a flight
1: see the, yeah. see you think of that whenever i think of blake griffin i i think of the key and peel sketch with with the substitute teacher saying block a over and over yeah, 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 and I, yeah, yeah. And yeah me and you block a, that's what i think of every time <laughs> for yeah, better you guys, or you guys
0: are on the internet anyway so youtube the uh, jamie fox on uh, oh it's so uh, good jamie Foxx, it's just Foxx so, so, so unbelievable good at that it's ridiculous yeah
1: Yeah, so good. It's so good. How's it for anyone that, you know, has somehow missed it or just doesn't know the numbers by the way 36 points nine of 13 from three in his two preseason games so far so yeah it is uh it's obviously looked good it's it's been fun and uh i like the little you know jabbing from jason tatum about his uh you know ha- asking if hauser was a better shooter than him he's saying you know like no way in hell and he mm-hmm. ought to be sending me a, a thank you card for the fact that he's so right. wide open and all of that stuff chris Fort, not to promote the competition but chris forsberg who's a good friend of this show and his podcast I think earlier today just interviewed Sam Hauser's mother actually and put a little you know video clip of it online and she was saying that when he was when he was you know little like two three years old you know old enough to you know kind of stand and shoot a little Nerf basketball on a on a toy hoop on his own that was how they punished him whenever it if you know in the rare times he would actually get into trouble you know it wasn't like go to your room it was they took basketball away from him so from the very beginning Sam Hauser it's been all about hooping.
0: That's right. Chris needs and Chris needs this because Rob is out. So he, yes, he, right. yeah, very he much. He needs a new binky, and somebody needs a new to, binky. Uh, he needs absolutely. Aspirator. He needs that security blanket.
2: <laughs> now, I, I, Sean, I, I don't know how much contact you've had with Danilo, just because he really hasn't been on the team at all, and because he's not familiar, maybe, with American sports history, and just one of my favorite Bill Belichick quotes of all time. Do you think that Danilo is is knows anything at all of the history of Wally Pipp at all, or no?
0: <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and suggest that he, no. that he does not. Uh, and I'm going to suggest that most people under the age of us do not know uh, who, who Wally Pip is. Like I, listen, I've got my son's about to turn 11 and I've educated him in every possible turn. So he is, so he can, you know, be a, be a 50 year old, you know, have all this information, yeah. but uh, you'd be amazed at what people, you know, what people don't know. It's, you know, there's a player, um, we're going probably going to see Bryce McGowan's for Charlotte in the preseason game tomorrow night. He was born uh, two weeks after. And I remember the Celtics had this uh, horrendous start in 0203, and they went down to Washington in the second game of the year, and they got crushed on TNT. And it was a year that turned out to be, you know, decent for them in 0203. Bryce Bryce uh, was not born. We're seeing players in the NBA that were, yeah, I know. So. For perspective, when I first took this job, it was, oh, yeah, I used to watch back in the Larry Bird era. The championship was 14 years ago. So there are kids in college, Mm -hmm. college now, that don't have a great memory of the Celtics championship. And, again, that's one of the challenges of the radio, doing TV, whatever you're doing is I'm broadcasting to people who are 80 and 18. So you Mm -hmm. have to have all the knowledge, but you can't forget you're increasingly... You're always older than you think you are, and a lot of the stuff, you know, like Wally Pip. When was that? It was in the that's almost well, 30, okay. ninety years ago. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, one of the cool things about doing, it's funny we stay we stay there with the Celtics now in Detroit. Now that the Pistons are downtown, one of the hotels we stay at, it's the same hotel I stayed at with the Red Sox when we're doing the Red Sox game. It's in 2013, and it's completely renovated, Weston, but. It's the same hotel and it has a staircase that goes from the lobby to the second floor that the staircase stayed there, even though they did all the renovations around it. That is the staircase that Lou Gehrig fell down in Detroit that led to him not playing that day and ending the 2,130 consecutive No kidding. Yeah. So you, you, you end up touching history once in a while for paying attention. Uh, Baseball, baseball obviously lends itself to that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for not asking me about my first year as a Red Sox season ticket holder. I think I jumped in at the absolute perfect time. It <clears throat> just worked out really well.
2: Yeah, right. This has been a, a great year of baseball. <laughs>
0: right, um,
1: really? But yeah, let's know. I, I think in – in, uh, in, in fairness to you, we will not dissect all things 2022 Red Sox.
0: They were, um, great. they were a fun last place team. I'll say that
1: for Yeah. Just, six as wins fun as a last place team can be, I guess. Base, they yeah. Went well down the stretch, I guess. Um, Joe Mazzullo, let's talk a little bit about Joe, but not so much the, you know, everyone has, has gone in depth, including on this show about, Joe the person and his character and and obviously Brad Stevens and what what management thinks of him and his co-coaches and the players that speak so highly of him. So we don't need to go down that road because um you know I I unless there's a a very personal experience you have shared with Joe then by all means but I I don't know that you know there's there's a lot to add to it. real what really interests me through the first we haven't seen a real game yet but through two games and just sort of juggling a little bit with everyone getting a turn. Nobody's playing 30 minutes and, and evaluating talent, obviously. Have you seen anything through a couple of preseason games that indicates to you what kind of head coach Joe Missoula is going to be?
0: Well, I don't think he's going to be a coach that changes a lot of things. I mean, it's unusual. Look at the, uh, talk about the dichotomy of Joe and Will Hardy, right? Two finalists in Utah, both the two youngest coaches now in the league. And, you, it, it feels like Utah is already two and twenty. I mean, after watching the top two picks in the draft play against each other, and watching yeah. the social media craze here, and Utah being at the top of the list of teams, that and do you believe Danny H was misleading earlier in the spring when he was like, man, we're not going to trade Donovan? Or I can't believe that. <laughs> Weird. That's so by out of way, character. I mean, he would. He never it, does that. And why? And, and by the way, like it's under the umbrella of why don't we all be smarter about the information we take in? Whether it's on Twitter or social media, wherever it is, like, did anyone believe Danny? That's what Danny was supposed to say. That's what I
1: was that shouting did. when Danny retired in the first place. Well, and then thought
2: right. he was going to not do all of that. That
1: was, yeah, come on. Although he did. just it went launched- to Utah it launched- as a, a my guy, Wendy,
0: though, right? Like, the, you know, why? Why would
1: Oh, man. What, what, a like legendary, a, what a legendary team. Oh, it's the uh, great meme of uh, our time. Best. Martin
0: Short. What's the Martin Short? Oh, Jiminy Glake. Yeah. What? Why would then why would Danny?
2: Oh,
1: why, why uh, he would, just put on a clinic that day. Yeah. It was, oh I mean, gosh, it was, it was awesome. incredible so, television
0: for so two minutes. It was, it was, it was the absolute best. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable, uh, yeah. So, you know, look at Will Hardy in Utah, and Joe is in a different situation. Joe, even if he had time to come in and reinvent the wheel and put his own personal stamp on it, his team, the team he is taking over, had leads in the fourth quarter of game four of the NBA Finals to go 3-1. And it's funny, I've even forgotten, until I watched the game recently two weeks ago, that the Celtics had the lead late in the third quarter of game five. I had forgotten that. To me, I had there was this amalgam in my mind confusing like game two and game five. I was thinking of them the same way, and they weren't. Celtics fell behind, had that great third quarter, came back and took the lead. So, And this is a team that was that close to a championship. So how many things are you really going to change? And it's a team that is set up to defend at a ferocious pace and defend the three point line. And, you know, with the with the Sam Hauser tweak and with a little more shooting, obviously to, to be able to spread the floor and cutting down on the turnovers, you're going to be right there. And now the Celtics have a very strange scenario they're sort of stumbling into of not being underdogs, but because of everything that happened with Ime, because of Gallinari, because of Rob Williams, the Celtics may be the betting favorite. I know you guys are all into that, but no one's really talking about them to the point, like, I'm, I'm all in. I'm a, Philly, I'm a Philly bandwagon guy, which is a great way to get thrown through the windshield, right? Like, <laughs> of the Sixers bandwagon, but yeah. I'm there because I can't help it. And I was, you know, I loved Milwaukee all last year. I think the Nets, who look terrible in the game they're playing right now, the Nets could win 60, they could win 36. You literally don't know. Um, you know, my, everyone's all excited about Cleveland, all these other teams, you know, there's, there's buzz about Toronto and they play like six guys or six, eight, they're going to be different. And so this, the spotlight of being the favorite, I think has vanished from the Celtics. And this is a group that is largely the same group and continuity, especially early in seasons. How many times have we seen this? Golden State got off to that great start last year before guys got hurt and things like that. So it's, um, you know, I, I think that's, it's almost set up for the Celtics now to surprise some people. And again, if you're Joe Mazzulla, going back to the question, what are you, what are you going to change?
1: So you don't think stylistically, philosophically, and I'm not saying anything should change, obviously, like if it ain't broke, don't fix it, kind of thing. But okay, do you think that he l- is? L- a l- – let,
0: let me jump because here's what: yep. he is the guy that wasn't an email guy, right? He was here before, right? That. So he wasn't part of that staff, the email staff. Who hire an email? Who brought Ime sure. here? Whose choice yep. was it? Brad was. So Brad and email. it's not like Brad went out and said, Look, I gotta find someone who believes the exact opposite of what I believe, and it's gonna change everything who I do not see eye to eye with on anything. And I'm gonna So Brad chose Ime. He chose Joe. He this is all, it isn't like this, hey, there's the Ime guys over here, mm-hmm. and there's Joe Mazzula here, and there's completely different. It's all everybody's I mean, truthfully, everybody's really on the same page right now. Why wouldn't you be? It's, it's a pretty good page to be on. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. When when the news broke, I was a little, I was a little stunned they did it so quickly, and and that Joe was the guy to get to get the bump up. Um, and it's not like everybody on that bench has a ton of NBA experience, you know. I mean, there's a couple of guys there have been assistant coaches, you know, in various stops around the league, and there's you know, Mighty Mouse, you know, uh, you know, with Pacific and coming over. So, and and I when and again I you know, we, to bring it somewhat somewhat full circle here, I remember uh, watching Joe Missoula in college and then as soon as he like I totally forgot about that whole experience and then all of a sudden he was named head coach and then at am like, holy like I definitely watched a bunch of big Monday games with Bob Huggins coaching Joe Missoula and whatever, you know. He was Sean there for a
0: while. I was with Gary Cohen, the great voice of the Mets and team yeah. voice was good. A Hall of Fame finalist along with Joe Castiglione. I was talking to him a couple of weeks ago and Joe Missoula came up because he was asking me what's going on with Celtics. I'm like, didn't he play like seven years at West Virginia? Because he had yeah. a redshirt year. So he was there a lot, had a lot of TV time. And Oh, yeah. yeah, No question. Okay. Let, me, let me throw one out here in the interesting right. discussion, which is Joe is in this spot because he's in this spot. And nobody wanted this to happen the way it happened. What if, hold on, let me do the windy. What? What if, what, <laughs> what, maybe what if, what if the path that Joe was on, his trajectory as a finalist for the Utah job, what if he was going to get the next job somewhere, wherever it was, and he was going to become one of the great young coaches in the league and the next Eric Spolstra, and that was going to be his path. But instead, this thing happened. So here he is now. Maybe five years from now, 10 years from now, we're going, oh yeah, Joe Missoula, what an obvious choice that was. Look at <laughs> it, look at what he's done, look at his success. But of course, here we are, it's happened the way it's happened. So of course it looks a lot more uncertain than it you know it would have under, under normal circumstances. Nobody's talking about Will Hardy.
1: Well, no, not not, uh, not yet. Yeah, 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 not, yeah, not was, well, <laughs> and, I mean not and and it won't be viewed as his fault anyway, what happens there in Utah. Right, obviously he was he was brought on to, to sort of, you know exactly. Uh, it's, the it's danger, same,
0: Will's danger, is what yeah. happened with Brad, Brad's first year here. When right. Brad wasn't, wasn't getting the program here and he was winning games. Remember that first <laughs> right. month yeah. of the Celtics yeah, were Yeah, 20, 25. Up, kids. You
1: want to talk about entertaining last place teams. That 25-win team was an entertaining last place team. And because they were they lucky. hard.
0: They won their games early in the year. The Celtics yeah. were in first place in mid-late December. They were under five hundred, but they were in first place. Yeah. In the, in the <laughs> division. Speaks that was a
1: glorious were. division.
0: And then then Toronto, that's when Toronto took off and started their, like, what turned out to be a five-year run, right, whatever, top the division. But, yeah, Brad was, you know, it was just so funny because they were so outmanned and he would MacGyver together these games. It was unbelievable. And he'd build a lead and all of a sudden you look up and it's like, oh, my God, the Celtics are winning and it's the middle of the second quarter. (laughs) And it was like one of those games where you're watching somebody tied with Alabama in the second quarter, like 10-10, and you know eventually there's too many plays. And there's too much skill difference or whatever. And these college football teams win 55 to 10, even if you can stay with them for a little while because the games are too long.
1: So just building off of what you were just talking about with Joe and, and sort of him potentially being, you know, that next young thing that people would like Will Hardy to be at some point. And obviously, you know, what Brad was when he got here from Butler and, and what you know, we all hope Joe Missoula is, is in fact going to be. Ime Odoka is not going to be back in Boston. And I don't say that as a question. I say that as a declarative statement. Ime Odoka's is not going to be back in Boston. I would be shocked beyond anything else that we've ever talked about on this show. If Ime Odoka is once again, ever patrolling the Boston sidelines. So what does it take for Joe to shed the interim tag? You know, at, even if it's not this year, you know, in the, in the off season, a year from now, going into next year, you know, for, for him to not get that opportunity for them to, you know, go on an actual search for a new head coach, a, a fourth and four years, exactly how bad does this year have to go for him to not get that opportunity? And I don't believe this will be a bad year, by the way, but I'm just, you know, like worst case scenario where it's, Oh, maybe Joe Missoula is not the guy
0: pretty bad. But that again, the problem is you went to the finals last year. So history says Forget anything happened in the last month in made coaching here. History says the Celtics weren't going back to the finals because young teams that go to the finals almost always take a step back. Uh, the Bucs didn't get anywhere near the finals because the Celtics took them out. This is what, this is how it happens. A lot of people think that run in Phoenix is over, that their window is closed all of a sudden to win the championship. Mm. Uh, and it's just, you know, the East, as we know, this is nothing revolutionary here that I'm saying, but this is my 25th year in the league, and this is far and away the best the Eastern Conference has ever been. We're going to be good teams to end up in the play-in. There are teams that would be insulted if I said, well, you're going to be in the play-in. What, what do you mean we're going to be the, the Atlanta <laughs> Hawks or the Toronto Raptors or whatever? Guess what? Do the math. There's this. There's eight, nine good teams in the Eastern Conference. So some good teams are going to be in the play-in. So that said, uh, you're sort of set up to not have success that way. I think it would have to go bad from an optics standpoint, from a it doesn't look like the players are with what Joe is doing. I mean, I can't. You know, we've all seen scenarios like that, Uh, you know, maybe bickering behind the scenes. Listen, if people, if players are unhappy with the coach in 2022, guess what? You're going to hear about it. It's going to leak out because it always does. And then you're going to have, you know, who knows, you're going to end up like they have in Brooklyn where you have that, essentially everything that was said, that gets said in a breakup and then they didn't break up. Yeah. And it's like, awkward, you know, when everybody's back (laughs) to back together again. So. I think it would have to go. It would have to go pretty badly. And who, you know, who knows? Listen, we sit here in October. Uh, famously or infamously, I did an interview on opening night five years ago, saying what I always say, which is, listen, something major is going to happen five minutes into the season that we don't know that's going to change your trajectory. And of course, that <laughs> night, that was the night where it got hurt. Yeah. yeah. And there's a and the East. All these East teams we're talking about they have a legitimate chance to win the championship. What if something happens to Jason Tatum? What if something happens to Embiid? What if if any of these guys slip on a banana peel? What if something happens to Giannis? It doesn't seem possible. It seems like if you know, like the banana peel would get hurt if like Giannis (laughs) the point. Something would something always happens that we can't possibly imagine, as we're talking here in early October. That said, you know, on paper, the Celtics look like one of the seven or eight teams that are in that elite category. And I think it would have to go pretty badly askew for Joe not to get a second shot assuming your declarative statement before which I will not comment on if that that plays out
1: Let's take a quick break, tell you about our good friends, good partners here with this show, BetOnline, BetOnline.ag. It's the fastest, easiest way for you to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. You could find reviews and news of every single league, Major League Baseball playoffs begin tomorrow as we sit here now. NFL season's obviously about a quarter of the way in, NBA getting going, NHL, same story. Combat sports, Sean certainly is uh, someone who can talk about those esports, golf, you name it. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, futures, casino, you name it. Uh, NBA season is rapidly approaching the Celtics. No longer the favorites to win the championship. They are the favorites to come out of the East to return to the NBA Finals, but the Warriors, the Clippers, they are right there in the mix in terms of winning the title. The Celtics over-under for wins is 53.5, which is a number that makes an awful lot of sense. Some NBA uh, specials Evan was looking up early. Here on the website, uh, when will LeBron break Kareem's all-time scoring record? Before or after February 1st? That's where that line stands right now. What do you think about that one, Sean?
0: Well, as uh, listeners would know, I've already thrown this out for the fun of it, so you can look back in October. But you're talking about February 1st, which is a decent marker, right, to aim if you're going to aim a target. If you're going to do an Evan Valenti bow and arrow and shoot it at a date, February 1st is a good date to shoot it at. I guess when the Lakers play the game before that on January 28th, they play at Toronto Dominion garden on Causeway street. It's my birthday. I'll have, you know, and and of course it being your birthday, why wouldn't LeBron want to uh, run? If LeBron can't do it in LA, you know, he's going to want to do it somewhere historical. And to me, Boston's the perfect place. And if you don't think players have some control of that, I'd have you look back. Where are we now? 11 years, 12 years ago to Ray Allen. We yeah. Always remember him breaking the three point record against the Lakers on TNT at home in front of Reggie Miller. The night before, we were in Charlotte on a league pass Wednesday night, whatever the game before. You know league it best, league pass.
2: Night.
0: Yeah, it was a league pass night, right? In Charlotte. And Ray missed shots that he usually makes in his sleep that night. And as it was going on, I'm like, Are you are we you watching this, Max? Like he's missing. <laughs> Shot after shot and then remarkably he was one short. He stayed one short. He didn't break the record on league pass on a Tuesday night in Charlotte.
2: Saved it for Reggie. He
0: <laughs> saved it for Reggie. I guarantee listen, Ray would never I'm sure he'd never admit that, but I I will take that one to the grave. I guarantee you that's what
1: happened. Do I get the Grandy and Max seats for my uh for for my birthday that night at the garden? Not not the actual broadcast seats, but just, just somewhere in the crowd. No, I don't do want part. I don't want that one. You just somewhere in the yeah. yeah, just just somewhere in the T D garden crowd. <laughs>
0: The Grandy and Maxine, sir, you're watching off the uh, monitor.
1: Watching off the monitor.
0: There's a uh, – it's not – I don't think it was out. I didn't – I have it, and maybe one day I'll put it out. The call – I got a little attention for the call at the end of game one last year when T- Tatum hit the layup and beat the Nets, whatever. Yeah. Because they had some issues on TV with the, with the call, which was actually – they were distracting Mike by saying that the basket didn't count, like people were waving. It doesn't matter. Uh there's video of Maxim. There's video that exists, the NBA shot that you see. You see that with announcers, right? They usually use it to announcers who go crazy when they oh my God, something wild happened, whatever. Um, and it's when you watch it, it's you see my eyes darting around because we didn't have a live feed that day because it was an ABC game, it doesn't really matter. It's the you know, game in the game. But you see my eyes darting around trying to figure out something's about to happen, what is going to be the least damaging view. And there's a moment in that call where I say, I'm counting down the play and this happened X, Y, Z, nine seconds ago. And I call two more things. And then I say eight seconds left. And that's because I had shifted my eyes back for a second over to the monitor and said, you know, as doing the clock, I said, eight seconds. And I realized in my head that that has to be delayed because I said nine seconds, three three seconds ago. So I quickly shifted my eyes back to the, what I could see is a live action over the bench, a guys on the bench standing up. But it's just a funny, you know, normally on those shots, you don't see somebody whose eyes are darting around like he's under questioning, you know, <laughs> about something. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what happened to that. We're going to have to get
2: you a better seat. Oh, uh, we've been oh, doing sure. this on this podcast for years.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I could Again, you know my standard line. We, in 2008, Celtics haven't won the championship since they moved us. Yeah, uh, We were courtside in 2008, <laughs> and I think – what happened after Ma- – when Maris broke the home run record, what did they do? They raised them out. Yeah. To make it impossible for guys to hit home runs again. So I I assumed that putting me in the corner where I couldn't, you know, see the game. Was- <laughs> I had done it too well. He's trying to make trying it trying to- an extra oh, yeah. challenge. Let's see if he can call the game without seeing. Let's see how good he is then. Hey, speaking
1: of what, and I'll I'll finish for our good friends at Bet Online our our read in a second here. But while while I was perusing the Bet Online website while we were talking and and receiving, they have uh,
0: how many games I'm going to end up doing on TV? I was just
1: going to bring that up. I was going to say, you know, the can you how how many like like mine, Sean? What your uh, how many TV games did you do filling in for Mike last year?
0: It was a handful. It was five or six. The fun part, the funny part about the games I did with Scout last year is that the Celtics led by t- at least 22 in the second half of every game we did because we did the games at Detroit and Orlando in February, and then we did that West Coast trip with the Golden State game, which is a yeah. game that I, I put too much stock in before the finals, certainly. Uh, Golden State, Sacramento, the Denver game, which was – it was comedic because Denver was a good team, and the Celtics just beat them senseless. And I had that thing that I – I don't forgot what I said about – you know the Celtics will go, go to your hotels and they'll eat your food and they'll do whatever and they just and just leave with a win because they were just marauding at that point. But we didn't like Scal and I didn't touch a close game last year, so it was a handful over the last few years. But obviously, so the-
1: all right. So let's call it five last year. So if Bet Online, if if we were to invent a number, let's say Bet Online's website has the over under for TV mm-hmm. games for Sean Grandy this year set at seven, seven and a half because you got to have halves. Would would that be an appropriate line? What how do, how no. do you what do you think?
0: No, I wouldn't. Uh, you're going to lose money on that one. Bet <laughs> seven, yeah. I don't know what the actual. I mean, it's kind of crazy because we're going to the season. I don't know, but I imagine it's going to be somewhere in the twenties. Um, but all right, you heard it here first, like, folks. Yeah. Somewhere in the twenties, this I guy mean, sliding if, over to television. On, listen, if you see seven on bet online, I would bet the.
1: Open. <laughs> Take that number and pound
0: yeah.
2: it. Yeah, I'm just put my mortgage on it. Thanks, Sean.
1: Yeah, honestly, well, poor
2: Max
0: not having you
1: for a quarter of the season.
0: We just lost Dennis Eckersley, right, Uh, as, you know, one of the greats of all time. And I think, check me on this, my feeling is that Eck, who's always been great, didn't get the same appreciation for it because he was following Jerry Remy. And so Eck was that other, he was that other guy to me. Like, people didn't maybe appreciate how good he was when, because Jerry Remy was there and he was such a big presence in it.
1: Well, I think we were sp- we so love. spoiled by having the two of them together. I, I think for the that's, and that's certainly fair,
0: yeah. too. Anyway, yeah. point being, let's not, let's enjoy these Mike Gorman games this year and next year or whatever, because things aren't you know, Grandy and Mac, Mike and Tommy doesn't last forever, right? Grandy and Max doesn't last forever. We're obviously closer to the end of it than we are to the beginning. So let's, you know, I, my personal hope is that Mike does whatever he wants to do and I, I think that's the way this is gonna this is gonna sort of play out I just hope he listen if it was up to me Mike would just he lives across the street we' <laughs> doing home games forever but Mike's got another thing he talked to, he talked the other night uh, I'm not talking out of school because I know he talked to the telecast the other night about um, becoming grandfather this summer and mm-hmm. time his, you know his daughter Kristen who we all know and love and it's just a you know an amazing time to be Mike so I hope we all appreciate the time that he has left to give us
1: yeah I agree totally agree with all of that and uh he's a, he's a favorite on this show as well and hopefully we'll get him on at some point or multiple times even this season because he is very uh, not unlike yourself gracious with his time and a pleasure to talk to and uh and and yeah we're not wishing time away either but we are happy that uh, at least if he is not there not traveling not doing whatever and spending his time doing something else that uh that you will be the one sliding in that's something to look forward to for everybody out there listening no doubt about it
0: I didn't even know these, these games were televised. Who knew? But apparently yeah, they're also on television as well. So.
1: Just want to point
2: out, we're also happy with BetOnline.ag. Yeah. Hooking us up on this podcast.
1: That's right. Yeah. And, and put that line out there. Head to BetOnline.ag today. Use your mobile device to join today. Make your first sports bet. Use the promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Uh, let's, uh, find a way to get back to basketball and get back to strategy. And, uh, one thing that has gotten, I think a little lost, Sean, not, not lost. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've talked about it plenty on the radio and it's not like people are unaware, but lost a little bit in the conversation, uh, with, with everything else that has happened on the sidelines. And then the, just the, the immediacy of, Oh my God, Sam Hauser People aren't really talking about not having Rob Williams for the first half of this year right now. And what is the approach going to be? Is it going to be all the small ball that we're expecting? Are we going to see, you know, Grant getting more minutes, uh, you know, even potentially – starting games at the five are, are, you know, Al Horford, are they going to be able to manage his minutes in the way they would still like to and go small? I had our friend, Mark Murphy, the recently retired Mark Murphy uh, texted me the other day and just said, you know, I've been thinking, what about starting Blake Griffin at the five? Cause Lord knows, obviously he, you know, takes charges and, and uh, you know, is, is, is aggressive in the middle just to experiment it and see what it would look like. You know, what, what are your thoughts on what how this is going to go during the time that we don't have Rob?
0: Well, the nice thing is that you got different options that you're going to try. I think it'll be different night tonight. There are teams like Toronto that play in Pascal Siakam and Center, uh, and you're you're playing a team in Charlotte that doesn't have a dominant center, obviously in Plummy. So it looks it's all well and good. It's all fun and games till opening night, right? <laughs> and then yeah, and then guests coming to dinner. So <laughs> uh, it's going to be a, a night tonight thing, I think. I, I'm not calling Rob Williams the MVP of the team last year, but anyone that's listened to us knows. I talked about this quite a bit, that the Celtics' season was three acts last year. You had the first 20, 40-some-odd games and under 500, this and that. Wherever you want to call that dividing line, you call it. But for the nine, ten weeks after that, the Celtics were not just the best team in the NBA. It wasn't even close. It was not close. They were the runaway best team, championship-caliber team. Nobody, I don't know who was second, but it wasn't close. The night that the Celtics completed the run from 11th place to first in the Eastern conference was the night that Rob Williams got hurt the Sunday night game against Minnesota. And from that point on to the end of the finals for those 12 weeks, the Celtics were good. They were really good. They had iconic moments and game seven victories, and they were one of the best teams in the league, but they weren't dominant without Rob Williams. They were really, really good, but not dominant. So to me, it is a vital, the most important part right now, the thing facing the Celtics right now is get Rob healthy. And I don't care if it's February 1st, it won't be, I don't think, but I don't care. Get Rob Williams healthy because that's your, your chance to be the dominant team you saw last year is having Rob Williams healthy. And to me, get there without, I do not want to see Al Horford play in 2,200 minutes again. You just, it, 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 you don't want that at 36. He's not coming off a bye year. Mm. K C he's coming off a year in which he hopefully just takes the funds. Totally. Yeah.
2: And it's just with Rob, the, the the explosiveness uh on both ends of the floor, the way he changes the geometry offensively with you know the back that he can just dive to the basket, throw it up in the air, doesn't matter where it is, and he'll just go up and get it. And then his roaming is like a free safety on defense changes so many things. It's it's Again, if you, unless you really watched the, and watched the difference, again, the switch from making him you know guard opposing fives to guarding the guy in the corner, being able to just kind of muck things up in the middle of the defense was a ginormous change. And again, they were just blowing teams out. I mean, I, again, I go back to the game they played the Utah, and we actually had Gorman on shortly after that. And I was mm-hmm. like, have you ever seen a, a better start to a game than that game? Because I don't think I've seen one. I mean, it was the game was over after the first quarter and halftime. I think they were up like twenty or thirty, and it that, was like they were on a different planet than Utah was. And
0: I mean, they, they, that game, Utah. Minnesota, these are the good Western Conference teams. Those two games you're talking about came right after that West Coast trip that I just referenced, where I did the TV with Scout. Yeah, where the game they got they got tired of that OKC game, and the Thunder had one of those fools gold comebacks. And they cut it from like thirty to nine right mm-hmm. at the end of the game. Uh, but that series of games was absurd that the the degree I mean I tweeted the numbers a million times you can go back and look at them but that 20 30 at 30 game stretch was better than the 27 and 2 to start the title defense here was better than the 29 and 3 to start the championship year it was as dominant as any Celtic team had ever been plus the fact that was the best road team the Celtics have ever had right. mm-hmm. it was carried over right so what
2: so we, so we you talk about managing health and management and all those things where's the sweet spot in terms of, yeah, like the regular season is going to be what it is. Obviously we need to take it seriously, but at the end of the day, we got to get into May, got to get into June. We need to be healthy as a unit. And you're going to sacrifice some wins and games to get there. How much do you sacrifice? Because you look at, you know, people are like, oh yeah, regular season not matter. I'm like, yeah, well it would be nice to play at home. I mean, I, they don't have to, they don't have to win the most games in the Eastern Conference. But, like, to have home court advantage until the Eastern Conference Finals would be nice. I'm not saying, you know, go all out to try and accomplish that. But at the same time, people – It's I feel like some people are like, eh, hey, it's regular season. Who cares anyway? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I'd rather not go on the road three straight series and try to go to the NBA Finals that way.
0: You just said you want to eat home court advantage until the Conference Finals, which to me says you're going to be a two-seed. Right. Be a two-seed in the Eastern Conference – That's going to be, I mean, that's 55, 56 tough wins in a really tough conference with all those competitive teams and very few easy nights. Because by the way, Detroit's got Cunningham and Ivy and Bogdanovich. There are no easy nights. By the way, everyone is, and I'm sure the Pacers will make the trade, right? They'll make a trade at some point. But right now, that's Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, Halliburton. And it's the team that everybody is universally calling the worst team in the NBA and the worst in the Eastern Conference. And they've still got... Real players, and by the way, they bludgeoned. I'm not sure Charlotte's not the worst name in the Eastern Conference, by the way, if they don't get Bridges back. But they, Indiana bludgeons Charlotte the other night, preseason, all the, you know, all this stuff, the stuff, the precursory stuff. It's going to be very difficult to do it. And to your point, you got to stay top four. You say, oh, top four, and that's no problem. Really? Because I just named Philadelphia, Milwaukee. You got to stay ahead. All right, Philadelphia and Milwaukee and say Brooklyn. That's three right there. That means the Celtics have to stay ahead of Miami, the Cleveland Cavaliers that everybody loves, Toronto, like to make just to guarantee finishing fourth, you're going to have to finish ahead of, you know, Miami and good teams. So that to me is the story of the season. Yeah, the NBA is deeper than it's ever been, but the Eastern Conference is absurd. And to your point about home court advantage, I've been saying this for years and has not yet come to fruition, but I'm going to say it again this year because this will be the year. It's been 25 years since an Eastern Conference team won 50 games and did not open the playoffs at home, hmm. that streak is going to end on April 15th. I mean, it has to. There's just too many good teams.
1: Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, we haven't really talked about him at all. We've seen in two preseason games, you know, nine assists per in limited minutes, you know, 20-plus minutes per game, but he hasn't hit 30. He's, uh, you know, really it just seems like the – outside of the, the relentless attack and defensive – prowess you know just the the playmaker quite frankly that everyone was looking for in the nba finals and that's what we were all screaming for at the time and thrilled about when brad made this trade a trade that looks like and in a a complete and total steal provided malcolm brogdon actually stays on the floor which has been a problem obviously throughout his entire career if he can stay healthy and i don't even care how many games he plays you know he doesn't need to play 70 games he can play 50 games for all i care if he's healthy come the postseason obviously that is the most important thing has he fit in even better than you expected is this what you expected what what have you taken away from his first couple of games
0: oh, it's 12 days and two preseason games but of course and i i do expect it because rogdon's a guy that's max and i have always been we've always had a player crush on him and he's always killed the celtics and he just it's an easy cliche and a uh One that you sort of use, you throw it away. But he knows how to play, Mm -hmm. and he fits in with this group. If anything, he's been too unselfish to me, and I think he's too. You know, he's been the he was the guy in Indiana. so he had to do all the things we're talking about him doing on this team, and be the primary scorer. Now that's the last thing he has to worry about. So it's you know figuring out a new role, but that of things to worry about. I would say, Brogden finding that sweet spot as to what his role is. I put that up there with Jason Tatum's slow shooting start in the first two games as things I could not be any less concerned about. <laughs> ever.
2: Well, you've seen that meme, Sean, of the calendar year. And like Tatum is, you know, uh, we all have questions about whether he's good or not. And then it's like, all of a sudden he heats up here. And then yeah. by the time yep. we get like March, April, it's like, holy yep. shit. Like this is insane. So, you know, I don't know if you've seen that, but it tends to track every year. We seem to be in that same spot where, like, oh, man, you know, Tatum's in a r- rough funk, but then you hit 2023, he'll turn it on, he'll hit the all-star break, and then all of a sudden for, like, the last two months he'll be all NBA, you know, first team and just, just wet the floor with everybody.
0: And if you watch the other dude in the finals and you watch the other dude for the first two games, maybe someone doesn't want to beat Robin. And you have two Batmans. I threw this out. I threw this out. It's of, of the Spider-Man. Doppelganger thing, yeah, got that two mean. Batmans.
2: Yeah. I think that was a joke. But like, considering what we've seen so far, and I know it's two preseason games, and overreactions are ridiculous at this point.
0: But we well, have I, to react to.
2: I mean, it 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 would be ludicrous. I honestly, I think that because there's just too many good guards in the league. But like, I don't know. Jalen looks possessed <laughs> through two games, and and I and I just questioned you know, both uh, Adam and a friend of ours. I just threw the question out there. Is Is Jalen going to make All-NBA this year? Because he just looks like he's on a mission right now. And And
0: listen, that's going to require All-NBA, MVP votes and stuff like that. They require regular season success and finishing Mm -hmm. high in the league. You know, my guy, Bill Simmons, they were talking the other day about could Jokic win a third straight MVP? And it seems impossible because nobody wants to vote for the guy, right, three years in a row. But Denver is going to be better. They're going to be better this year. They could be the number one seed in the Western Conference. So – what if Denver finishes number one in the West? What if he finishes with the best record in the NBA, which was even better than he was last year? So, I mean, I'm sure he won't win three in a row, but it's very possible. It's just, listen, if you're a basketball fan, if you're an NBA fan, know that you're in a golden era right now. And the downside of that is there are going to be some really good teams that don't sniff the second round.
1: You, uh, you know, we're, we're, we've been at it for a little while, so we'll wrap this thing up, but I'll, I'll ask you this one last question before we let you go, which is, you know, we've mentioned Ime Odoka multiple times at this point. So far, so good, but hey, it's been two preseason games, so none of this really matters. My question is, is that story because people are still talking about it. Like, you know, not, not, and I don't mean water cooler. I mean, like, there are still reports. There's still stories being written. You still have people like Matt Barnes commenting. You still have Sham Sharania going on the Pat McAfee show and not really saying anything about it. It's still a talking point. Is this going to be a distraction in any way, shape or form for these players and Joe Mazzula here this season? Or is this something that just sort of drifts into the background and, and gets ignored?
0: It would be unrealistic it'd be condescending for me to suggest that it's not and because things are going to come out because that's the way of the world and they'll probably the you know the murphy's law they'll come out at the worst possible time but Hmm. there is what if as you said earlier if there's going to be a separation right at some point just could that happen during the season is that going to be a year from now there's too many things we don't know so chances are people were up in arms because they didn't have all this information. Well, first of all, the Celtics were legally and ethically obligated to not share the information. The Celtics did, I mean, they were right all across the board here. No matter, people just lost their mind because they wanted the information. That said, information gets out. You think um, uh, Golden State wanted to read about Draymond Green punching Jordan Poole <laughs> in practice? How did that get out? It just got out. This isn't the old days. Stuff gets out. So, I mean, I think realistically, I don't think it's going to be a distraction, except for when the next wave of things come out. And what if the Celtics are in a three-game losing streak or something when that happens? And you don't. There's just too many things you don't control. So, but I am a very much of the belief that the players in the room here have are focused on the task at hand, and that there's going to be a lot of outside forces that want information or are going to be digging for it, but. You know, I think these guys are used to living with distractions and and the things that come up. It's the it's the way of the world.
1: All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll call it a show there. There's uh, you know still preseason games to be played, and obviously the regular season is right around the corner. Right? You know, as we sit here now, it's it's what a, a week and change away. So terrific. Okay. It's it's we approaching. Yeah, approaching. We're excited, looking forward to it, and uh, appreciate everyone for following along and being with us throughout the beginning of a brand new season, obviously, and uh it, it's going to be you know, hopefully for more better reasons than not, a very interesting one. We uh you know, Evan Valenti, thank you as always for what you do both on camera and behind the scenes. Sean Grandy, who uh yeah, making making the gestures, he he tested me a, a very unflattering photo of me talking during this show while we were doing this show. Making the
0: point that yeah.
1: <laughs> that I talk too much or that that I look stupid when I do it.
0: Oh. <laughs> hey, you, listen. <laughs> before, let me know if that over under the over under we do TV, I don't, I don't if, if says,
1: that shows up on Bet Online, that. <laughs> <Who's not? laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think you would ethically be Probably allowed to on that. No, we'll do it. to the But, uh, channel, so. but, we'll do it but I, channel. but I would, <laughs> and, and, and will. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll uh, we'll catch you next time. See you later.